Coming up on podcast 1913, Ford pauses an EV battery factory, Nissan will go electric in Europe by 2030, and more Tesla superchargers being opened up. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Tuesday 26th of September. I'm Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story, so you don't have to. Now we'll start with a great story about the Tesla Model Y, topping European car sales so far this year. Tesla's Model Y didn't just steal the spotlight in Europe's car markets last month in August. It dominated the sales charts for the entire first eight months of the year. Not just EVs, we're talking the number one. It totaled 151,191 units sold for the Tesla Model Y alone in Europe in the first eight months of the year. And that put it well ahead of its nearest rival, which is the Dacia Sandero, by more than 3,000 units, actually. And if you're not listening in Europe, we don't know what a Dacia Sandero is. It's a very, very cheap vehicle. Much, much cheaper than a Tesla Model Y. Hey, what would you like in your driveway? Model Y or a Dacia Sandero? Now, there's nothing wrong with a Dacia. Love a good Dacia. It's all Renault bits, let's face it. They're really great cars. But totally different price. And the Model Y beat a much cheaper vehicle. The month of August wasn't just a victory for Tesla. The broader EV market celebrated a pivotal shift where battery electric vehicles, pure BEVs, outsold diesel cars here in Europe in August. Uh, The BEV share, over 20% of the market. I mentioned this a little while ago as the numbers were coming in. thought it's worth reiterating. The ACEA pointed out that if you look at all the European regions, including the UK, EVs held a share in August of 21.7% of new passenger vehicles sold. Now, more great news about non-Tesla's supercharging. This time, it's the first station in Alaska for CCS1 compatible EVs. Situated in Chugiak. I hope that's how I've said it correctly. It's close to Anchorage. It boasts V3 supercharging with the Magic Dock built in. So a reminder, the Magic Dock, if you turn up in your Tesla, you pull the plug out as normal. And if you turn up in your CCS1 equipped vehicle, uh, you pull the plug, but with it comes, it unlocks an extra adapter And it's all part of the plug that you pull out of the supercharger, so it's all nicely integrated. The United States has approximately 15 supercharging stations, mostly in the east for non-Tesla EVs. Canada is home to two such sites. And for public funding approval under the NEVI scheme, the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Formula Programme, new new fast charging stations have to be compatible, compatible with CCS1 connectors. These stations have a minimum of four Magic Docks, four CCS1s. Each one can do 150 kilowatts, and it gets the NEVI funding. Now, here's some great news from Nissan. This is a great announcement to make. Nissan announced over the weekend that every new vehicle that they launch in Europe will be purely electric, with the goal of selling only electric vehicles in the region by 2030. One of the two confirmed EV models for Europe will be manufactured at Nissan's Sunderland plant. That's in northern or northeastern England. If I say it's in the north, uh, I think they'd rather me say it was in the northeast. 
because those that live in the northeast very proud of where they live by the way northwest as well i might point out so yes it's in the northeast is the sunderland plum uh, for the year ending march 2027 nissan will have 98 of their european sales electric vehicles that does include some plug-in hybrids though and it aligns nissan with its partner renault which plans to make the renault brand electric by 2030 Now, here in Europe, Ford and Stellantis have similar ambitions to be electric by 2030. Volvo takes it a step further. They will exclusively offer pure EVs worldwide by 2030. And, you know, in car world, as it were, timelines and timeframes in designing and making cars, 2030 is a blink of an eye away. And so that is great news. Well, on Nissan, great to come out, even if it was always on the cards. Always nice to get an announcement that you're only going to be launching uh, battery models from now on. Let's talk a little bit about Ford pausing construction of their Michigan EV battery plants. Ford's temporarily halted construction of their $3.5 billion electric vehicle battery plant in Michigan, and Marshall, actually. And that decision drew criticism from the leaders of the workers' union, the UAW. They perceived it as a job-threatening move, as Ford playing their hand in the union negotiations that are ongoing, these contract talks. Initially designed as Blue Oval Battery Park, Michigan, it's scheduled, still is scheduled, to open in 2026 and to operate as a Ford-owned, wholly-owned, wholly Ford-owned subsidiary, but licensing technology from CATL. That is the world's biggest EV battery maker. And yes, you've joined the dots they're Chinese. So first of all, the China, uh, the Chinese got upset because that's China IP leaving their shores and making Chinese batteries in the US. So China weren't happy with the deal. And then the US got upset because they saw it as helping China. So poor old Ford thought they did the right thing. Wholly owned subsidiary, no Chinese ownership, but licensing CATL's tech. And nobody seemed happy. So maybe there was bigger issues going on. Maybe the project will be cancelled. For what I know now, it's merely paused. And the unions say, well, it's all part of a bargaining chip that Ford are playing. The immediate impact of the pause on their future EV battery procurement remains uncertain. It was expected to have 2,500 workers and to make 35 gigawatt hours worth of LFP cells, lithium-ion phosphate, every single year. Now, how many EVs that can power... Well, it depends on how big the battery is. That's obvious to say. But you know, if it's going to be a 70, 75 kilowatt hour battery, and okay, yes, I know, you know, a Ford F-150 has a much bigger battery, but that could be three, 400,000 EVs a year. So it's a big story. Uh, given its status as a Ford subsidiary, uh, the plant would have been subject to the National Union contract that's currently being negotiated. Let's move on. Let's go to France. And the French president, Emmanuel Macron, has unveiled an ambitious plan for France to manufacture one million EVs a year by 2027 on French soil. It's a crucial component of the French commitment to reducing carbon emissions by 55% by the end of the decade. Macron stressed that achieving these climate goals represents not just the environmental imperative, but also an economic opportunity. This declaration comes amidst rising opposition to green policies across Europe. Uh, Now, to make EVs accessible to low-income consumers who not only would be deterred by the initial higher costs 
compared to a nicer vehicle, but also simply priced out of having an EV. France is also introducing some new financial incentives. Individuals will soon have the option to lease a French-made EV for €100 a month. Now, I'm not sure if there's some qualifiers in there in terms of whether you are already on some state benefits or a uh, an earnings limit, like a upper limit or something, but uh, that looks like a, a subsidy right up my street. Now, it's great that if you're buying in the past an EV of any shape or size, you know, a £100,000 you know, Tesla, and, and in some countries people got incentives. Uh, even look, a 40 or 50 grand car, which these days isn't a really special car, don't get me wrong, it's a nice car. Yeah, but I always look at the prices of cars now, new cars, and think, when do cars get so expensive? That's not a fabulous car for 40 or 50 grand. Should those vehicles get incentives? Do you need incentives if you're buying an average car? But certainly to get people uh, that, uh, that need help specifically tailored. We've seen this in California recently as well. A removal of the current schemes and moving them to areas where they're most needed. Well, that's right up my street because it gets people driving EVs who otherwise wouldn't be. Let's talk about car makers. Very unhappy with what is coming just around the corner here in Europe. This is an ongoing story that I promise to update you on as I get news coming in. Now, yesterday, car makers, including Renault, BMW and Mercedes-Benz, urgently called on European, well, EU leaders to postpone the incoming tariffs on EVs. It's a 10% tariff that is coming in and European EV exports set for January the 1st between the UK and the European Union. Now, we buy a lot of European cars here. The UK is a big car market, not the biggest. Germany is the biggest car market in Europe, but we are a really big car market. We buy a lot of European cars. That makes a 10% surcharge either a penalty for the end consumer or the car makers have to try and eat that somehow on cars that they're already struggling to make a profit on. So the European Union and the United Kingdom, as part of Brexit, agreed that from January the 1st, they did this deal a long time ago. The deal took forever to put together. As I'm sure you understand, the Brexit deal is sensitive with things like Northern Ireland and Irish trade. But either way, they got the Brexit deal done eventually with something that everybody was happy with. And years down the line, they put in this 10% tariff for cars leaving the UK to Europe and European cars coming into the UK. And it works with part supply as well. And it's all to do with where the bits come from. And it's arriving on the 1st of January. And now the car makers are going, whoa, hang on a minute. We thought that by the 1st of January, we wouldn't be using so many Chinese bits in our cars. The problem is we're still using so many Chinese bits in our cars. Uh, the tariff is scheduled to start on January the 1st, but they're seeking a three-year delay. The European Commissioner Thierry Breton, I mentioned recently, dismissed revisiting the Brexit deal to say it took us a long time to do. We're not going to redo the Brexit deal. Both sides have already agreed on this rules of origin clause all about where the bits come from. Uh, it was uh, cars with less than 45% UK or EU production parts. Well, we're still using a lot of Chinese bits, and so a lot of cars are going to get 10% added onto them. The slow progress in EV battery manufacturing remains a critical challenge. EU car manufacturers maintain a 70% share of total vehicle sales in the block, but China has secured 4% of the EV market, offering affordable EVs, the likes of the MG, for well under 30 grand, and they're good cars as well. All right, coming up on the podcast, we'll finish off talking about this subject. 
And we'll talk about a new program to provide access to low-income communities from enterprise and how we can make charging better. Stick around, those stories are on the way. So if you would indeed like to get the podcast ad-free, I would love to give it to you ad-free. And you can sign up to my Patreon. It's They do all the billing. They only take like 5%, which I think is really good these days because a lot take more in terms of that. So I want a, a locked-in, grandfathered deal with Patreon. I've been doing it so long. It's more now, but if I set up new, but 5%. And I get the rest, and it pays my bills because this is how uh, I now earn a living. So uh, you can do that. Five, maybe $10 a month, you can sign up to be a Patreon supporter, and you get an ad-free feed. Let me finish off talking about this whole issue of whether you and I are going to pay more for the cars that we want to buy. I've mentioned that, like, 10% going on cars in the UK and EU from the 1st of January. But what about the Chinese cars coming in? Well, Germany's transport minister came out over the weekend and opposed these tariffs that the EU want to add on to the Chinese cars. He says cooperation, not punitive measures, should be emphasised as the preferred approach. The European Union is considering tariffs on Chinese EV imports, 10%. 20%, maybe more, in response to trade imbalances. And I told you on a podcast, ooh, <laughs> when was that? Last Friday, as in a, 10 days ago, all the various ways that China unfairly helps their EV industry. And would I do the same thing if I were them? Nah, probably. I mean, call it protectionist if you want, but yeah, probably all, everything from massive subsidies, state level, regional level, local level, R&D subsidies, all of the uh, the sort of official state vehicles are all bought bought from Chinese companies. They're all EVs. And so it just, it just the list goes on and on, all the different ways that Chinese EVs companies uh, uh, helps. I know there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there probably is. But, um, you know, it's I, I'd probably do the same thing. It's why the US have done the same thing with the Inflation Reduction Act and why the European Union are having to go, oh, we've got to get some of that action and kind of, the world gets a bit smaller when that happens. And I know where the German transport minister is coming from because they're saying, actually, if you strengthen your ties, your engineering ties, your tech ties, your diplomatic ties with every country around the world and collaborate, it moves technology on faster than working on it siloed. And also things get cheaper because it's a global supply chain. But when one country doesn't play fairly, and again, not saying anything wrong with that, uh, then it hurts everybody. China and the EU hold significant roles in the global EV market, both with ambitious EV adoption plans. Collaborative efforts between these economic giants could have the potential to accelerate EV innovation and reduce costs for you and I if everyone works together. But that's not necessarily the way it works. And I'm no economist. What do I know? Probably nothing. Let's talk about a great scheme from Enterprise, the car rental company, part of a pilot program to make EVs accessible to low-income communities. The program's goal is to offer affordable EV options to those on limited resources. As part of a broader effort to encourage EV adoption and reduce emissions, the initiative underscores the importance of exclusivity and equity in the transition to clean vehicles by addressing disparities in EV access, particularly among the underserved populations. It aims to promote a more sustainable future. I'll pop a link to that story in the show notes if you'd like to find out more about where that scheme is running. And finally, Lincoln Electric are going to be the hosts of the next Charin Testival. It's where they test 
all of the various charging technologies. Uh, and it's going to be in Ohio at their Cleveland campus on November 28th for three days. The gathering tackles e-mobility, things like interoperability, collaboration, networking, and people get together to test and observe. Charin is the association of over 300 members representing the car makers, the charging station makers, the component makers, the grid operators, and they advance the CCS standard. And so, you know, Tesla are part of it, and Tesla turn up because they, you know, the cars in Europe are all CCS too. In North America, of course, everything's going to NAX. So that'll be, I'm sure, a big topic of conversation. But it's an engineering festival. And so there's a wonderful couple of videos on my friend Tom Malogny's channel called State of Charge on YouTube, where he's gone along to the festival before. And it's just all the different car companies, all the different kind of charging makers all get together. And it's a bit like show and tell. Like, here's what we're doing. What are you doing? And because they're engineering nerds, no offense, uh, I'm a nerd, uh, the information gets shared in a way it wouldn't otherwise and it's coming back later this year. And I hope it means that we get a more seamless experience in time of charging our EVs. That's the goal of these things. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's Nevo.ie channel and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel. Octopus Electroverse, help me out. They do global public charging. They make it simple with one app and one map. And I love it. And least plan electric moments. Time to get them back on the podcast because so much have changed in the last year since we had least plan on. They provide all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. <laughs>